Well, good morning, everyone. Um, I know, I know, everybody's not over the uh, events of Christmas Eve, where uh, Sam and I came up here and saying, "Hotel can't afford you." And uh, I, I didn't want to do the same thing today, but uh, take it away, Sam. good because this morning <laughs> the topic is there's a bad dude rising <laughs> so if you're old enough like me to remember that song bad moon rising uh, we decided we wouldn't torture you and sing our way through bad dude rising there's actually a song called bad dude rising and it's about what we're going to speak on this morning so I was hoping you'd laugh <laughs> yeah, okay. This is my other last Sunday here. Okay. <laughs> um, turn your Bibles, please, to D Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7. We're going to continue in our, in our series in the book of Daniel. <clears throat> and as we... As we do, I'd like to take a moment and pray. Father, thank you this morning. We're singing thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross. We thank you for the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ where our sins were taken away, where one died there in my place. And I pray, Father, that everybody here this morning knows their sins forgiven. And if not, that today they will come to know the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray for help with um, looking and studying this passage this morning. I pray for your guidance. I want to pray this morning for those families on the prairies and in B.C. who have lost sons and fathers and brothers in that tragic bus accident. Father, there are heavy hearts today. And uh, we pray for those who are in the hospital recovering. I pray that they will see the close brush they had with eternity and will turn their hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray, Father, for the grief, the deep grief of these families, that they would find comfort and salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ through all of this. We ask it in his name. Amen. This morning, I would like to start with um, just showing you four statements that were made by a, a prominent leader one time. He said this, he said, as a Christian, I have no duty to allow myself to be cheated, but I have the duty to be a fighter for truth and for justice. He said, I believe today my conduct is in accordance with the will of the Almighty Creator. Thirdly, he said, mankind has grown strong in the eternal struggle and will only perish through eternal peace. Also, he said, for the, time, for the first time, our streets will be safer, our police more efficient, and our world will follow our lead. I wouldn't put his picture up, 
But all of these quotes are from Adolf Hitler in the 1930s. Hard to believe. He seems like such a man of peace when you read quotes like that. He seems like somebody who's going to solve the world's problems and he's got the answers. Well, in fact, they thought he would. In fact, he was so influential that the British Prime Minister Lloyd George called Hitler the greatest living German. The Anglican Church, he was not Anglican, but the Anglican Church said he was a moral, ethical, and religious man. But there was one man who said he's none of that. It was Winston Churchill. He saw him for who he was. Despite the, the slick speech and, and the way he carried himself, he saw behind that mask there was wickedness and evil. And this morning, when we look into the book of Daniel, Daniel looks into the future and he sees a coming leader that's going to make Adolf Hitler look like a kitten. He's going to show us a ruler known as the Antichrist. And people don't take that seriously. They think I'm speaking of something here this morning that's a fiction, that's like Easter Bunny or Santa Claus. Don't look at me that way. I, there, there is no Santa Claus, just so you know. I, I know some of you are probably distraught that I said that. But, but people are, are, are thinking that. You've got to be kidding me. That's the stuff they make movies of. This is real, folks. This is going to come. This is what awaits our world. Daniel um, calls out and does, says a lot about the Antichrist. In fact, he's the first one, the first prophet to do so. John writes a lot about him in, in Revelation, and we looked at that years ago. But um, I want to look at it specifically from both Revelation and Daniel chapter 7 this morning. Let's, uh, let's turn there. I'm going, to, I'm going to read a good portion of this uh, section. Forgive me, I have a, I've been suffering a cold here, and I'm hoping that it doesn't bother me too much this morning. Daniel chapter 7, verse... Uh, I'll put the verses up for you, too. Verses 8 to 28. Verse 8. Did I do something? Okay, I'll start reading. Verse 8. I was considering the horns, and there was another horn, a little one, coming up, from, coming up among them, before, before whom three of the first horns were plucked out by the roots. And there, this horn, uh, in this horn were eyes, like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking pompous words. And I watched till thrones were put in place, and the Ancient of Days was seated, and his garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool, and his throne was like a fiery flame, and its wheels a burning fire. And a fiery stream issued and came forth from before him, and a thousand thousands ministered to him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were open. I watched then because of the sound of the pompous words which the horn was speaking. And I watched till the beast was slain and its body destroyed and given to the burning flame. As for the rest of the beasts, they had their dominion taken, taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven. 
and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom is the one which will not be destroyed. I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit, within my body, and visions of my head troubled me. And I came near to, the, to one of those who stood by, and I asked him the truth of all this. And he told me and made known to me the interpretation of these things. These great beasts, which are four, are four kings which will arise out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom uh, and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. Verse 19. Then I wished to know about the truth about the fourth beast, which was different from all the others, exceedingly dreadful, with its teeth of iron and nails of bronze, which devoured and broke into pieces and trampled the residue with its feet. And the ten horns were on its head, and the other horn which came up before which three fell, namely that horn which had eyes and a mouth which spoke pompous words, whose appearance was greater than his fellows. I was watching, and the same horn, I was watching, and the same horn was making war against the saints and prevailing against them, until the ancient of days came, and judgment was made in favor of the saints of the Most High. And the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. Thus he said, The fourth beast shall be a fourth kingdom on the earth, which is different from all other kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, trample it, and break it into pieces. The ten horns are ten kings who shall arise from this kingdom, and another shall rise after them, and he shall be different from the first ones, and he shall subdue the three kings. He shall speak pompous words against the Most High, and he shall persecute the saints of the Most High, and he shall intend to change times and law, and the saints shall be given into his hands for a time, times, and half a time. But the court shall be seated, and they shall take away his dominion to consume and destroy it forever. Then the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole of heaven shall be given to the people, the saints of the Most High. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominions and all dominions shall serve and obey him. This is the end of the account. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly troubled me and my countenance changed, but I, I kept the matter in my heart. So Daniel gives us, really, in this one chapter, i got to take this off. I'm in a sauna up here. It's, uh, in this one chapter, he gives this kind of prophetic panorama. It's all compressed into chapter 7. So chapter 8 and chapter 12 takes portions of this and expand on what's written in chapter 7 of Daniel. I know it's been a while since we looked at, at the book of Daniel. Uh, I, I checked back in my records. It was January last time I spoke, but kind of got tied into Ecclesiastes and things like that. So uh, that, that's kind of what happened. The last time we, we spoke about these four beasts. But today specifically, I want to speak about this, this, this beast that, and, and, the, and the horn that comes up. So um, the four beasts that we looked at before, in just quick review, um, there were four beasts, four kingdoms, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome, kingdoms that have come. And then on this fourth and ugly beast, 
this horn comes up, and this horn is filled with eyes and, and, a, and a boasting mouth. And that's, what, that's, the, that's the Antichrist that we're going to speak of this morning. But the main theme I want you to know, because we're going to go back and we're going to do Daniel chapter 7 again in another time. But the main theme of, of chapter 7 is not about the Antichrist. The main theme is not to focus on this man who's going to bring such havoc to the world. The main theme is the kingdom of God through his son, Jesus Christ. That's the main theme of the Bible, but that's the main theme of, the, of Daniel chapter 7. This is part of it. And it's important that we understand it. You see, part of what goes on in our day is prophecy is not taught in churches as much as it used to be. It's not wrote, it's not wrote about in books. It's not written about in books. I'm starting to sound like a PEI. Uh, it's not written about in books like it used to be. And there's all kinds of conjectures. There's all kinds of things made up. And there's all kinds of junk. And in fact, I turned on the TV last night and I was, I said to Mark, I said, I have to get back to the gym because that remote's getting heavy. I, I, I was just flipping through and, and I saw this guy was going to be preaching in Australia and I put it on and I got like five words out of his mouth and I said, ugh. Like he's making all these prophecies and all this junk. And there's so much of that in the world today. There's so much being put out there and the scriptures are being ignored and not being taught in their, in their truth. So it's important that we, that we look at, at, the, at the truth of the scriptures. Now, the Antichrist, as we, we call him and know him, and there's been many people have been called and suspected of being the Antichrist. I'm not going to name anybody. That's foolish. It's foolish to start naming times when Jesus Christ himself said, I can't tell you when I'm coming back. Only the Father knows that. So if only the Father knows that, I'm sure a preacher from Australia doesn't either. Just, just saying. So, like, through the years, it's been Caesar Nero was going to be the Antichrist. And I can understand. Christians were living in awful, awful oppression at that time. Following that, there was Emperor Caligula, Charlemagne, Napoleon, Hitler, Mussolini, Joseph Stalin, Franklin Roosevelt, John F. Kennedy, Henry Kissinger, Sun Myung Moon, Ronald Reagan, Bill Clinton, Bill Gates, Barack Obama, and I'm pretty sure that somebody's probably even suggested with his pompous words that maybe, maybe Donald Trump. I'm not sure, but I'm just guessing. And I can tell you it's probably not Donald Trump because his words aren't slick enough to qualify. But... You know, we don't know who he is. We don't know if he's alive today. We don't know. But he will be, and he may be, but it's coming. The truth of Scripture validates that it will happen. There are four words, and this is what I'm going to look at today to describe him. First of all, he's a powerful ruler. Secondly, a prideful speaker, a painful oppressor, and a principal loser. I went to the school of John McKim again. First, a powerful loser, a powerful, powerful ruler. He's described as a horn, a little horn that comes up. In chapter seven, he's called the little horn. In chapter eight, he's called the king of fierce countenance. And in chapter nine, he's called the prince that shall come. And in chapter 11, he's called the willful king. He has many names throughout the scriptures. Actually, Revelation, he's called the beast. Jesus Christ called him the abomination that causes desolation. Paul has three names for him in Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians 2. He calls him the lawless one, the man of sin, and the son of perdition. So there's actually 25 different names given to this man throughout the scriptures. He's, he's going to be powerful. Uh, Daniel was the first to speak of him. In fact, John, uh, the apostle, 
wrote in 1 John chapter 2, verse 18, little children, you have heard that Antichrist is coming. Now, where would they have heard that? Somebody was teaching them Daniel chapter 7. That's what I believe. Somebody taught them the scriptures. And in Daniel chapter 7, they knew what this was about, and they knew this is going to come. And we know it's going to come, and that's why we teach them today. A couple of things about him. First of all, the eyes. You notice it's this little horn that comes up on this beast. And it says it's full of eyes. Eyes like a man's eyes. Eyes would suggest that he has great knowledge. He has great insight and, and mental acumen and, and ability to solve a lot of problems. That's what's going to be notable about him. He's got the answers. He's not just going to be a, a, a buffoon spouting off. He's going to be a guy with slick answers. I mean, we had a guy come two years ago to our company. He's the president, and boy, he, he, he was smooth talking, man. I'll tell you, we're getting the greatness, and we're going to be getting the greatness soon. He was fired last week. So, I, I mean, it's, it's, but this guy is going to be smooth. He's not going to be a, a buffoon pounding a, a, a table and, and, and making it sound like, oh, you're, whoa. Everybody's going to think, wow, this guy has the answers. He's got a lot of insight. He's going to have a lot of charm and, and popularity. In Revelation chapter 13, people say, who is like the beast? There's nobody like him. Man, this guy has the answers. He's going to be a peacemaker. Now, you try to figure out how to put this jigsaw puzzle together, but somehow he's going to bring peace to the Middle East. Nobody has ever been able to do that. For a short period of time, he's going to bring peace to the Middle East. He's going to be enamoring. He's going to be just overwhelm people with his personality. You know, Jesus referred to something, and I, I can't be adamant about this, but it's an interesting verse. In John chapter 5, verse 43, he says, I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. And then he says, if another comes in his own name, you will receive him. I really believe this man will be so slick that people will say, yeah, Jesus Christ, I don't take him, but I'll accept this man. He's got the problem solved. He's going to line my pockets. This is what I want. He'll be somehow attached to the Roman emperor, Empire, a revival of the Roman Empire or something similar to it. Now, Rome fell in, in 476 AD, but not the whole empire. It lived on uh, in, uh, from 395. It had split, and um, the Eastern Roman Empire went on for another 1,000 years. But there'll be a revival of that empire in some way, and we don't know what it's going to be. People have speculated, what is this one world government type of thing going to be? People have said, well, it's the, back in the day, the European Economic Community, or now known as the uh, European Union, the UN, the Roman Catholic Church, Islam, and there's all kinds of speculation. We're not going to get into speculation. I put those out there, and some of them have been shown as, no, that's, it's not going to be that. But it will happen. I'm telling you, it will happen. I remember when I say that, back... This is some time ago. I hate to call you out, Mark, but I remember having, I was speaking on Revelation, and Mark came up here, and I said, would you read the scriptures today? And he gave me passages of the reads, and it was one of those things about, about the, the coming, coming day, and he read it all, and at the end of it, as Mark would have to say a little word at the end, he says, oh yeah, this is going to happen. And then he sat down, and I thought, I don't even need to get up and say anything now. This is going to happen. 
How it's going to take place and who it's going to be and what it's going to look like, all that conjecture and speculation does us no good. What we need to do is believe. We need to believe it's going to happen, and that needs to stir us up with an urgency to preach the gospel to the lost. Secondly, he's going to be a prideful speaker. It says, a, a most uh, pompous words. I like what the New American Standard says. It says, uh, his, a boasting mouth. He's, he's just full, full of boasting. This just means he's going to be incredible in his ability to speak. He'll be a great orator. People will be sucked in by his words. He'll be articulate. He'll be boasting and bragging because he's going to be solving problems all over the place. But that's going to change. That mouth that's going to be solving problems and, and wooing people and, and so on is going to become a blasphemous mouth. Verse 25. It says that he shall speak pompous words against the Most High. He will oppose and exalt himself above all that is called God or that is worship so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. This is from, I believe that's first Thess Second Thessalonians. He is going to set himself up as God. Second Thessalonians, that's second verse of Second Thessalonians 2, 4. It sounds like Satan, doesn't it? Remember Satan back in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 14? He says, I will be like the Most High. The boast of Satan. I will be like the Most High. Well, here is one that after, after a time, he's going to say, I'm, that he says, it says he's going to exalt himself above, above all that is God. Exalt himself. The, the third thing is he's going to be a painful oppressor. A painful oppressor. He's going to use his strength He's going to use his influence and he's going to use his power to war against God's people, against the saints of the day. This is during the tribulation time. There will be many of Israel that will come to trust Jesus Christ. There will be many Christians living under the oppression of the Antichrist at that time. If you're here this morning and you're a believer, we believe and we teach that you will not be here for that. You will be gone. John spoke of that a couple of weeks ago. I want to just jump out of my chair and go. Like, like please, turn that magnet on. I'm, 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 I'm heading up. <laughs> we won't be here for this, but those who are saved during the tribulation will be under fierce, fierce tribulation. Fierce oppression. Daniel chapter 7, verse 21 says, I was watching, and the same horn was making war against the saints and prevailing against them. Daniel chapter 7, verse 25, and he shall speak pompous words against the Most High and shall persecute the saints of the Most High, and shall intend to change times and law, then the saints shall be given into his hand for a time, times, and half a time. I'll talk about that in a second. And then in Revelation chapter 13, verses 7 and 8, it was granted for him to make war with the saints and to overcome them, and authority was given to him over every tribe and tongue and nation, and all who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names have not, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. It will be a terrible time. He'll, he'll harass believers. He will, he'll harass Jewish people. He'll, he'll, he'll tear them down and wear them down. He'll, he'll physically harass them. He'll, he'll bring legal injustice to them. He'll seize their property. There'll be physical punishment. There'll be failure to comply laws. If you don't take his mark, there'll be a, a point in time where in order to do any commerce, you'll need to have a mark that belongs to him. You need to be identified with him. 
And if you don't, then you starve to death. All of this is going to happen. And he will war against God's people. Some of the other things that are told in prophecy that he will do, he will kill two-thirds of all Jews. In Zechariah chapter 13, you read that. He's going to conquer the city of Jerusalem, Zechariah 14. He will go on a rampage to kill believers around the world, Revelation chapter 13. But this man will also be a very religious man. He's going to have a false prophet. You don't have a false prophet if you don't have some kind of a religion. He's going to be religious. He's going to be part of this, what's called Mystery Babylon, a religious movement that will be worldwide. In fact, it will be the only religion approved for the world. And he will be all of that. He will be the head of this. And he will have his false prophet going around making blasphemous prophecies. And he will exalt himself to the point of being what he thinks is God. But here's the good news in all of this. It's only going to be for a short time. His time is limited. You see, Satan knows that he's been defeated. Last week, when it was you know, safe for most Christians publicly to go out and declare about the death of the Lord Jesus Christ and not take a whole lot of opposition in this world, Jesus Christ defeated Satan on the cross. And he knows it. And he knows his time is limited. And just in that, this beast, this, this Antichrist, his time is going to be limited. It says it'll be for time, times, and half a time. Now, without getting, because of the, the time, time, and the time I'm trying to track on that clock that's fast, time, a year. Times, two years. And a half a time, half a year. Three and a half years. So for three and a half years, he will wreak havoc on the earth. In fact, it's called right out very clearly in Revelation, it's, uh, it's 42 months. Three and a half years. And in Revelation 11, 2 to 3, 1260 days. So there, and there are other prophecies in Daniel that call it out for exactly the time. Now, you know what was interesting? <laughs> this morning at Breaking of Bread, someone got up and read from the book of Daniel. Someone got up and read from the book of Daniel that Daniel said, okay, from here to this point right now, exactly in time, Messiah is going to be cut off on this day. Right to the day. What happened? Jesus Christ was crucified on a cross on the day that Daniel said. Accurate. 100% accurate. Scriptures are accurate. Somebody else stood up at the breaking of bread this morning. And they said, you know, I read this verse. We should not put our faith in a man. There is not one single human being on the face of this earth in whom we should put faith in other than the God of heaven and the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm thinking, I don't even need to tell you anything. I mean, if you were there this morning, you heard it all. And we're going to get into the other part that was shared this morning at the the Lord's Supper. But it it will be a limited time offer for, for the Antichrist. You've got three and a half years. At the end of that, you're done. That's the great news. Because... That means he will be the principal loser. He is going to lose. This boasting horn will have his mouth shut for good. He is is going to be shut up. God is going to come, and and we read this in, in Daniel chapter 7, verse 9. I watched till thrones were put in place, and the ancient of days, that's 
God the Father was seated, and his garment was as white as snow, and his hair of his head was like pure wool, and his throne like a fiery flame, and its wheels burning fire. Sam, I believe that's something close to what you read this morning in the book of Revelation, describing Jesus Christ. Because he's going to be there with God the Father. And then in Daniel chapter 7, verse 11, we read, I watched then because of the sound of the pompous words of the horn speaking, I watched till the beast was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. What I find remarkable about this, here is the throne of God set up. Thousands of thousands and 10,000 times 10,000 ministering to him. And books are open and wheels of flame and, and flame coming out from the thing. And here is this little horn still spouting off pompous words, Bef trying to, trying to outshout the God of heaven, the ancient of days. But it says here, while he was speaking, I watched and the beast was slain and its body destroyed and given into the burning flames. It's over. He's done. He will not win. I am so glad we are on the winning side. I am so glad that we have read the end of the book. We know how it's all going to end. We know our Savior went to that cross. Our Savior had victory. When he said it is finished, Satan was finished on that day. And he has no more power. His time is limited, and it will come to an end. It says thrones were set up, plural. Why? Because God the Father and the Son of God will be seated there. Earthly kingdoms will run their course. Christ's kingdom will follow, first in the millennial kingdom, and then a thousand-year reign, or of a thousand-year reign, and then an eternal kingdom. There'll be a thousand years on this earth that's been remade, rebuilt, a thousand years living under the rule of Jesus Christ. Oh, that'll be so amazing. That will be so amazing. But God, the way he is, he'll, he's going to outdo that. He's going to bring a new heaven and a new earth. And that'll be the eternal kingdom. And we will forever live with him. All of the enemies of God will be gone. All of them done away with. It's interesting how he ends here. Verse 27. Then sovereignty and dominion and greatness of all the kingdoms under the whole heaven will be given to the saints of the highest one. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom and all dominions will obey, uh, all dominions will serve and obey him. That's not the verse I'm looking for. The verse I'm looking for is another one. Oh, I hope this, I was hoping this wouldn't happen, but it did. All right, so we'll just, it does say that the kingdom is forever and forever and ever. His kingdom will never end, forever. But what's interesting in verse 27, right at the bottom there it says, it'll be the greatest of all kingdoms under the whole heaven and be given to the people of the saints of the highest one. That's us. If you're here and you're a believer, you are going to reign in a kingdom that will last forever. I, I look at it and think, I, I, I couldn't even be the mayor of Lawrencetown, but where I live. I mean, you've got to be kidding me. I have a hard enough time just trying to like, work in the office. But no. God will give you the kingdom and you will, be, you will be reigning with him, with Jesus Christ forever. And then he comes to the very end, verse 28, he says, 
At this point of the revelation, at this point the revelation ended. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts were greatly alarming to me. My face grew pale, but I kept the matter to myself. That's it, folks. <laughs> That's what I saw. I'm just going to pass that on to you. You know, the world has a beginning, and the world will have an end. Every kingdom rises, every kingdom falls. Every nation that comes and goes, it has a shelf life. But if there's a theme of Daniel that's overriding, is that all the kingdoms of men will come, and they will all go, every single one of them. Every leader will pass by until one leader will come, Jesus Christ, and he will reign forever. So, when you look at verse 10, it says, the court was seated and the books were opened. That sounds like a frightening event. I don't know if you've ever been to court. I have been as the, the plaintiff <coughs> and as a witness and as an observer. Speeding ticket, plaintiff. <coughs> observer, observer, witness in a case one time. And you sit there and this judge sits on this what looks like a throne. And every mouth stops. No one dares say a word. And I remember going to one day being called for, for a jury duty and he, he had this folder that he opened up. This is all in a binder. This judge comes in, big black robe, and he's got this big binder under his arm and he plunks it down and he opens it up and he goes through it and I'm thinking, wow, that's intimidating. Can you imagine what it's going to be like to stand before God and books are opened. You know, God keeps books on everybody's life. There's a book and there's a page with your name on it. And if you're a believer, God's going to come and he'll look. Huh, all debt's canceled by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. All transgressions forgiven, all transactions canceled. But if that is not written across your name, then it's doomed. The same, as, the same as it is for this Antichrist. It says in Revelation chapter 20, verse 12, and I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged according to their works by the things that were written in the books. And then finally it says, in the last verse, it says, and whoever's name was now found written in the book of life is cast into the lake of fire. It's a frightful scene. And I hope that nobody here will be there to stand before a great white throne. Believers, we will go before God and he will judge what we have done with the resources he has given us and we will be rewarded. We will not be punished. We will not be put away from him. We will be rewarded for the work that we have done in his name. That should sober us too. But if your name is not written in the book of life, it says you will be cast into the lake of fire. There is no other way to put it. There is judgment of God that is coming. The Bible says, or I guess what I want to say is when the day comes and your life ends and you stand before God, will you stand forgiven by the blood of Christ or will you be condemned by your own negligence, by your own neglect and indifference? The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3, it says, how can we escape if we neglect so great salvation. 
There is a great salvation available for you. It's been paid for. It's done. You just need to receive it. I like what Brother Ray said there two weeks ago. He said, I struggled and struggled and struggled, didn't know what to do here. I put too much faith in my faith. I didn't put my faith in the Savior. You don't need to put faith in faith. Put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He died for you to cancel your sin and have your name written in the book of life and you could be saved forever. You don't dread standing before God and he opens a book of judgment on you. None of us here fear that if we believe in Jesus Christ. We are free. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation, we read in 2 Corinthians 6, verse 2. The good news is, you know, the Antichrist, obviously an enemy of God, obviously an enemy of Jesus Christ. We were also enemies of God. The scriptures were read this morning that said what we were, Ephesians chapter 2. But the good news is that Jesus came to save his enemies. Jesus came to forgive every one of us, so that when the court is seated and the books are opened, you can be free and forgiven with confidence that you will never stand before God to be judged. Your debt can be canceled, or debt has been canceled at the cross, and all you have to do is believe and accept that. You don't have to work on faith. You don't have to work for anything. You don't have to strive to try to believe harder or believe more. Just believe. Jesus died for me. He canceled my sin, and I accept that. That's it. It's very simple. I'm looking forward to finishing up reading, uh, really, on, on Daniel chapter 7 because it speaks of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a glorious day that's going to be. When he comes, it says, when he comes with the clouds of heaven, I believe that's the clouds of heaven that he comes with, that's going to be all the saints that are coming with him. He's going to come in victory and he's going to rule this world forever. We have no fear. If you're a believer, you have no fear. And if you're not a believer, you should have nothing but fear. And you need to turn to Jesus Christ. And I hope that you do today. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, as we think of the day that is coming and, the, and this wicked ruler that will come to this world during the tribulation time, the visions that Daniel saw, we, we try to interpret them, but they, they made his face turn pale. They made him feel unwell. How, how hideous it must have been. And that is coming for this world. But thank you, Lord. You sent the Lord Jesus Christ to save us. Thank you. You sent him to forgive us of our sins. Though we no longer fear that. We're not slaves to fear. Those of us who know you, we're our children of God. We will rule and reign with him forever. I thank you that his kingdom is coming, an everlasting kingdom a kingdom of peace, a kingdom of, of salvation, a kingdom of worship and adoration of the one who seats, sits on the throne of heaven. And we look forward so much to that day. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. You guys okay to sing a song? All right.